Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses warped your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. prom party i want to say good evening but every time i do you go you don't know when they're listening to this good evening good evening (laughs) god i fucking love vine we're never gonna be able to get through an episode without mentioning vine yeah well this is how we roll it's it's fine it's fine you're joining us on a a night without without the heat on because we had to move to the living room because my room sounds like an echo chamber because we're packing and i took all the art off the wall so uh we're in, a, we're in a pretty cool place right now. Harmony, how cool are we right now? The coolest of cool. Ice cold? No, it's 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 actually not. Ice cold would be at least 32 degrees That's or That's like lower. outside right now. Yeah. No, it's way colder than that outside. <laughs> it's cold as shit outside. Yeah. No. Inside, it's a it's a sick 69 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> fucking laugh. It makes me so happy every time you do it. You're welcome. So if you're listening for the first time, I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is BJ Colangelo. And across from me in this living room that I'm seductively winking my eyes at. Hello. Who are you? I'm the flying shrimp. It's <laughs> trademarked. <laughs> my mom trademarked it. No, actually, I'm Harmony, and I am not a shrimp. I'm quite enormous. You're a shark. Thanks. You're my favorite kind of shark. It, what kind of shark? A street shark? Oh, Jossum. Okay, yeah, no, you said street shark. That's my that's my actual favorite type of shark. I was just gonna be like a big shark, um, and try to be cute, but that's way better. No, I'm, I mean, I mean, one of my favorite sharks is the Greenland shark because they're big floating pieces of booby that don't die and they're poisonous. <laughs> I like ghost sharks because they have alien mouths. Yeah, that too. Those are pretty tight. Yeah. Well, this is not a shark podcast. I mean, it could be someday. God, when are we going to do teen movie shark things? We're going to do Soul Surfer at some point. Don't oh my worry. God. The, the, <laughs> the clip of her getting monched by that just shark burp. is so funny because he just goes, <laughs> <laughs> he just pops up and pops down so quickly. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to take that arm and uh, go back underwater. Yeah, it's great. I love it. So today we're not talking about, we're not talking about Soul Surfer, but we are talking about another, you know, wonderful, magical teen girl movie. This one's a little less radical. This one's a little less radical and a little bit more scientific it's a little bit more physical a little more aerodynamic we're talking about 2005's ice princess so harmony until this episode what was your acknowledge anything to do with ice princess i knew nothing about this movie it only ended up on my radar 
because I was like, who does this cover of Bjork's It's Oh So Quiet from the Birds of Prey trailer? Mm -hmm. And then I looked up and I'm like, oh, it's from the Ice Princess soundtrack? What the (laughs) fuck is Ice Princess? And I was like, BJ, let's do Ice Princess. It's cold out, so it'll be perfect. It's appropriate. (laughs) It's festive. It's It's thematic. Yeah, even though it's like, most of this takes place in like summer. Yeah. Well, it's like. It's, but it's on ice. It's on ice. It's like how we're going to do the Mighty Ducks on the Patreon. And that's also not a winter movie. <laughs> but it's on ice. It's cold. It's win- This is a sport that takes place at the Winter Olympics. There we go. That's our justification. Does it? I don't think they're at the Olympics on in this movie. No, they're in like the like training for it. But ice skating as a sport, like the peak of it. Uh, happens okay. at the Winter Olympics, and so does hockey. So there we go. That's that's going to be our bullshit justification for why we're doing this movie. It just seemed good choice, sure. Plus, I like those off-the-beaten-path movie choices that we roll with. Agreed. This is one that I think people are either going to go, what the fuck is that movie? Or people are going to be like, fuck yeah! Like, those are going to be our <laughs> that, two options. That's a very monster truck-like reaction to this ice skating movie. Well, every once in a while, people like get so fucking psyched because we're doing a movie that they feel like no one ever knows about this movie but me. And that's kind of the point of the podcast is because we're celebrating dismissed cinema here. These are movies that we probably loved when we were kids that we never thought about again because everyone's like, there's no merit to this, and they threw it away. And then, spoiler alert, this is a feminist as fuck ice skating movie, and y'all are haters. These movies are like zombies. They don't stay dead. No, they don't. They come <laughs> back. And we, uh, we're we on our six. this is a 16-year anniversary for this movie. Oh, this is a cool. sweet 16 for this baby girl. Aw. I was going to say quinceanera, but I realized that that's not how numbers work. That's 15. I know. You're good at numbers. Good I uh, I failed Spanish in high school and <laughs> got a D minus because my teacher really applauded my efforts and not my skill. <laughs> you had heart. It was I, the thought that counted. I was the only one getting, in class who tried. Getting a D minus in Spanish when you should have failed is the definition of it's the thought that counts. Okay, but like. When you're in Spanish class, do, don't they, like, award participation points because the only way to learn a language is by speaking it? Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, no Good one point. else in my class did that, and I'm like, oh, God, I need to graduate high school. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to pass that class, and the teacher was very nice, and I probably shouldn't have. Well, speaking of passing classes, let's dive into Ice Princess, because there is some great academic work at play here. Science! <laughs> So, going over to Fandango, asking our friends, our Fandangos, here is the synopsis. Brainy Casey Carlyle, Michelle Trachtenberg, has never quite fit in. Caught between her fantasy of becoming a championship figure skater and her strong-willed mother, Joan Cusack, who has her on the fast track to Harvard, she can only hope to be like Nikki, Tiffany, and Jen, three elite skating prodigies who are competing on the U.S. national circuit. But when Casey gets the chance to train with Jen and her coach, a disgraced former figure skating champion who happens to be Jen's mother, Kim Cattrall, she must dash her own mother's hopes in order to pursue her dream. With only the support of Jen's teen brother, a Zamboni driver, Trevor (laughs) Blumas, Casey takes on the challenge of her life when she finds herself competing against the best to make it into the championship circuit. That was a very thorough synopsis. It's one of their better ones. Good job, Friendango. Yeah, especially considering how this is kind of an obscure movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Ice Princess is based on a novel by Meg Cabot. Um, Most people know her as the writer of The Princess Diaries. So 
you knew really nothing about this going into it. Not and a damn uh, clue. <laughs> I'm actually very excited to talk about it because this is one of those movies. Um, it was made by Disney, but this one really didn't have the big rollout or the the huge impact that I think like Princess Diaries did. This one kind of went under the radar. And in this rewatch, I'm not entirely sure why. I think that this is a really solid movie. This is a good sports comedy like this is this is better than most sports comedy movies. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely, and it's, I think there's a lot of really complex issues happening in here that deserve to be talked about. Yeah, especially because growing up in the '90s, when there was a million youth and teen-based co- like sports movies, mm-hmm. oh my god, so many of them were the dumbest thing possible. Mm-hmm. Like Angels in the Outfield. Mm-hmm. Like, cool, dead people want to help the team win. <laughs> Rookie of the year, his tendons heal a little too tight, and now he's got, like, a slingshot arm, which is stupid. <laughs> There's so many dumb plot points in, in sports movies, and this one's, like, mostly grounded in reality. Like It's pretty sincere. Like, there are definitely some moments that you have to suspend your disbelief a bit. Yeah, but, like, it's, it's still fairly grounded, and I actually was very impressed. I was too. And this is a movie that I, I watched when I was younger because I was a fiend for any sort of like competitive sport girl movies because I was a competitive baton twirler. Uh-huh. So I I liked seeing that aspect of my life represented because it was something that was so alien to a lot of my friends. We talked about that a lot on this watch. Mm-hmm. And I just kept saying things and you're like, oh yeah, no, that's real. Mm-hmm. Be like, nope, that's absolutely correct. And mm-hmm. no, you can't do that. Like, oh, no, no, no. Who, who, you can't skate on new skates. What are you doing? Break your ankles. <laughs> yeah, like we're having all these conversations and it's like you, you knew all, like this is your world. And I'm just like, I got nothing. I am so out of my depth on this one. Because what's interesting is like ice skating and baton twirling, obviously not the same things, but there's a lot of crossover in the style as far as how to be more aerodynamic when you spin, how you balance, how you extend your body. Like a lot of that stuff matches because well, it's ice like skating... a grace based sport. Right? Yeah. It's, it's grace and athletic, which is also what baton is. Cause mm-hmm. baton is a combination of like massive athleticism with tossing and like aerodynamic flips and spins and things. But then also there's like the dance and, and graceful elements to mm-hmm. it. So it's, Ice skating is probably one of the closer ones. Like, a lot of times people are like, oh, like, cheerleading or, like, like color guard. And it's like, no, ice skating is probably the closest. Okay. So let's let's dive into these these characters since I think the themes will come naturally with them. So let's talk about Michelle Trachtenberg's uh, Casey Carlisle. What do you make of Casey? She's a dork. Yeah, I mean, she's a dork in the sense that like she's very intelligent, not as in like a. She's not a. Hey she's guys. not like a Big Bang Theory dork. Yeah. She's like a science dork. This is my video presentation. Hi, I'm Casey Carlisle. Cut a second. I sound like a driver's ed movie. Relax. Do it just like you're talking to me. Hey there. I'm Casey. Oh my god, I forgot my last name. Can I start over? Hi, I'm Casey Carlisle. I decided to see if I could make myself prove my own hypothesis on the application of physics to the required elements of competitive figure skating. And she's also a dork in the very, like, classic, I don't know how to talk to people kind of way. Mm-hmm. 
And it's mostly her awkwardly trying to fumble through conversations at several points. Like when they try to call the police because she's filming figure skaters. And she's like, no, it's for, it's, no, I am swear, no. Uh, uh. I have a note. I have, I have, I, I have, have papers. notes. And it's like, oh, nope, looks like science babble. Yeah. <laughs> it's like spy shit or whatever. Oh, yeah, this is, like, this is definitely spy stuff. And she's just like, <laughs> no, but it's, like, I have a note for my teacher. It's for a scholarship. It's for a class. It's blah, 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 blah. And the thing is, in that moment, I feel bad because she's obviously scared out of her life. Yeah. But I'm also kind of on the, the side of the ice rink where it's like, yeah, don't fucking record my routines. Are you kidding me? Well, she doesn't know etiquette. And also right. Kim Cattrall is very scary in this movie. Um, Kim Cattrall is very scary in most movies. Yeah. This, this is uh, Kim Cattrall's first post-Samantha Sex in the City role. So I think she has a little bit of that bitterness and anger coming with her because she went from just being like, you know, sexy, hot, slutty woman of town and now... and because I have to clarify because, you know, nuance is dead. Slut is not an insult. Uh, but she she goes from that to then being like, hey, surprise, now you're in mom roles. Deal with it. You're in bitchy mom roles now. Yeah, but I, I love her. Oh, she's great. So yeah, we'll we'll get to her, I guess, a little bit later. But Casey's, Casey's kind of rad. Mm-hmm. The whole point is she's doing a project because she wants to do a... Uh, she wants a Harvard scholarship. Yeah, so she's she doing wants. this project on, on, on about physics. how to scientifically figure out how to perfect ice skating form mm-hmm. because she is obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the film, you see so much passion for what she wants to do and what she's sort of been led to do. Mm-hmm. And we see it in the intro, which the intro is a, a touch strange, but she's like ice skating on the pond at by her house and her mom, who is Joan Cusack, is like, hey, you need to come in here and study math or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the movie's like, surprise, it's now like May. Mm-hmm. So that that intro is like, okay, I get what we're doing for the plot. But also that's, we just jumped yeah. like seven months. <laughs> it's definitely one of those things where it's like, hey, we're showing that she has a passion for this. But obviously she doesn't get to do much with it. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely like the one time a year she gets to ice skate is when it's cold. Yes. I like Casey because Casey is one of those characters that I think is so relatable because she is a dork, but she, you're right. She's not like a big bang theory dork. Mm-hmm. She reminds me a lot of like Lainey Boggs and she's all that pre makeover. I think okay. where like Lainey's like an art dork where she's just like keeping to herself. This is just kind of what she does. And she has secret passions, but it's one of those like, eh, I'm never going to pursue this because it's just not really going to be my thing. She's kind of the dork that is in class, but you don't notice her. Yeah, she's she's definitely the the archetype of like the invisible girl. Yeah. Where I think that Casey's a great shell for audiences to put themselves into because she's really likable. She's cute. She's spunky. But then like she's also really awkward. And you're right. She's awkward in how she communicates. Like she's not awkward as in like, she doesn't feel like a stereotype. Mm-hmm. She just feels like a genuinely, like, I don't know what to do with my hands kind of person. Yeah, which is, like, a super relatable teen experience. Yeah, it's most teenagers. Yeah, I think the popular kids in school are the ones who figure out, essentially, what to do with their hands first. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, I learned how to not be weird and mm-hmm. function, and that means that I'm cooler and smoother than you. So now I'm, like elite in like the social hierarchy of school oh yeah like she, I, she I, never got there no i try not to buy into the bullshit of like oh it's just confidence all you need is confidence 
That's a big part of it, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not all of it. I mean, there's a lot of other contributing factors. Like, yeah. obviously, like, attractiveness does fucking matter, and we pretend it doesn't, but it does. Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that's important. But, yeah, confidence goes a long way. You gotta act like you're unfuckwithable, and mm-hmm. uh, she is very fuckwithable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she is. And a, a lot of her being fuckwithable is because of the environment that she's raised in. So let's talk oh. about her mom. Let's talk about Joan. Both the, I guess, the actress and the character. <laughs> I think the whole effect is very grown up with a nod to femininity. We've evolved past flaunting it, but we don't have to deny it. I mean, you are going to be mingling with lots of your future prospective classmates and professors, and I really wanted the look to say we are serious. Well, it definitely succeeds. So uh, I, I'm a sucker for when a movie just for whatever reason, has the actor playing a character who has the same name as them. I love it, except for when it's Jack Nicholson. Yeah, that's And then I hate it. Because to me, I'm always like, you probably put that in your thing so that you didn't have to remember to to react to a different name. Also, I, I just... Jack Nicholson is barely acting in roles. He's just being Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So I... I'm like, you really are doing the least amount of effort in a lot of movies. (laughs) But uh, so Joan Cusack's in this, and I love Joan Cusack. She is Mm -hmm. one of my favorite. I I mean, I wouldn't say she's a character actor, but she's... Oh, she's a character actor. Yeah, Yeah, but she's absolutely a character actor. She's, I think, a level above a character actor. Yeah, Joan Cusack is one of those character actors who has had such an iconic and successful career that you know who she is. She's not a, hey, you, that guy kind of actor Mm -hmm. of a character actor. But she's a character actor. Oh, yeah. And she's so good. And I love her in so many movies. She's the best part in most Mm -hmm. movies that she's in. Except for this movie where she's the worst part of this movie because I have never disliked her as much as I do in this film. I've also never shown you Raising Helen. And the character she's playing in Raising Helen is very similar to who she's playing in Ice Princess. And I think that this, this sort of time chunk of her career is like this and then like School of Rock where she's starting to play these kind of like no fun club mom types. Yeah. Yeah. In her defense, before I totally lay into her, Mm -hmm. I will say that there is actual character motivation for why she is the way she is. Mm -hmm. And it's rooted in good intentions. Oh, absolutely. However, she sucks. (laughs) And she is the like worst kind of anti-femme feminist. Yes. And I'm sitting there watching this movie and just having that realization or, or or I guess reminder that I'm like, wow, the word feminist doesn't, it doesn't mean shit anymore because mm-hmm. it's like, what kind of feminist are you? There's so many things this could be. Mm-hmm. Are you the kind of pink pussy hat feminist? Are you a, I'm only nice to black people because it's, I, I know that it looks bad if I'm not kind of feminist. Are you a turf, which aren't actually feminists? Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of feminist are you? Do you hate sex workers? I don't know. But I know in this movie, Joan Cusack uh, hates the twinkly outfits of ice skating and would mm-hmm. rather drop dead than see Casey wear one in, you know, passing conversation. She said she would cry. Yeah. And she doesn't wear makeup and is all about like, oh no, but like being glamorous sets women back 50 years and is mm-hmm. like such a bitch about it. The, the line that gets me is, I mean, it, we're jumping ahead, but, you know, spoiler alert, she's not very supportive of Casey wanting to be an ice skater. And towards the end of the movie, before she finally is like, fuck it, I need to be there for my kid, which, you know, is a nice move- moment for her. Mm-hmm. 
she is teaching an English course, and I, th- I think she teaches women's lit. If if I'm because of course she would because of course she would. But the assignment that she's giving her students is for them to write an essay nominating the less is more feminist writer of the 20th century, mm-hmm. which means she also is a fan of you know feminists who are a little bit more subdued. And mm-hmm. I think like that moment, like that assignment, that part of her curriculum says everything about who she is as mm-hmm. a character. And I think it's just really smart writing. Yeah. And like there's definitely a point where she's having a showdown with Kim Cattrall's character of Tina. Mm-hmm. And the whole point is like, I guess you never grow out of hating the popular girl in school. Yeah, you never you never grow out of uh, hating the prom queen. Yes, of course, which is that whole interaction. If I need to get the audio clip to insert that here. And if I do, <laughs> it's going to go right here because it's perfect. Where did this hair come from? And that, and that makeup and that shirt. I did not buy you that shirt. Mom, that has nothing to do I with it. I think you want to be exactly like her. And if you happen to tell a lie now and again, well, hey, at least you'll be glamorous. You think this is about glamour? It is a sport, Mom. It is a thrilling and beautiful sport. Are you sure it doesn't just make you feel beautiful? So what if it does? What is so horrible about that? about feeling strong and graceful and beautiful for once in my life. Why are you jealous of her? Well, I guess no matter how old we get, the rest of us will still always hate the brown queen. Hopefully it was right there. (laughs) Anyway, I guess that I'm frustrated by her because the whole reason she's like this is because she wanted to go to college and didn't go immediately. Mm-hmm. So she got her degree and did all this stuff later in life than she felt like she should have mm-hmm. and wasn't able to give Casey all of the nice things she wanted to give her as a mom. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, they're not poor. They mm-hmm. have like a pretty nice house. It's pretty sizable. They got like a good chunk of land, it looks like. Yeah, there's even a moment where she talks about when she's having this thing of like, there's so many things I wanted to give you like so we didn't have to live this way. And Casey's response is, what's wrong with the way we live? Right. Like, she's a college professor. She is not broke. Yeah. So I don't know what expectations she was going for, but I'm guessing it's like this kind of, if you're not first, you're last kind of feminist, Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, women are succeeding more than me, which means that I'm not doing as good a job. It's sort of that mindset of you need to tear down other women in order to like climb over their dead bodies to achieve success. I think she also has a lot of misdirected anger at the way that the world works. Yeah, probably. I I think that this is an instance where instead of being upset that, you know, the patriarchy does pin women against each other, that the patriarchy does set, you know, the quote unquote standards of beauty. Mm -hmm. And that also then is led into things like white supremacy and like economic things. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of intersections that are at play here, but instead of being mad at the systems that are forcing the world to be this way, Joan Cusack is mad at somebody like Kim Cattrall, who is pretty, and therefore she views as more successful or doesn't have to work as hard or, you know, whatever. She's, you know, this is this is the, the societal situation of your husband cheats on you with another girl, and instead of being mad at your husband, you're now mad at this girl. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening here, but just on, like, a systemic and lifestyle way where she... Um, like she has a line with Casey where she talks about how there's no 
there's no time limit on Casey's brain. Mm-hmm. But then she's like, you know, what if you're a figure skater? What do you got like eight years and then you become a has been? And then what? around on the I was once somebody circuit or whatever. Yeah, just like, and then what do you do? Nothing. Like, there's no there's no time limit in your brain. You need to focus on that. And I think that that is a very, it's a very reductive way to view the worth of women. But I also completely understand why she has this mindset because mm-hmm. it's just it's swinging too far in the opposite of direction of what all of the social messaging has been telling her her whole life about what makes her worthy as a woman. Yeah, and we're seeing that a lot right now. Mm-hmm. Like that's oh, always sure. that's always going to be a thing where people are overcorrecting and then the pendulum swings way too far in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. But right now there's this really intense discord online about almost puritanical values where you can't even remotely discuss sex otherwise it's like if you're attracted to twinks, then you're a pedophile. Right. Just if like you shave your pubes, then you're trying to like do pedophilic things. It's like these really ridiculous, outran- outrageous claims. Mm-hmm. And it's just overcorrecting for other problems. Mm-hmm. And that's what Joan Cusack's doing in this movie, which is, I guess, extra upsetting because she's teaching about, you know, to, 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 she's molding young minds. Yeah. And she's doing it in her image and not the correct way, but no one ever thinks they're the villain. People don't think they're wrong. No. So, uh... Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. And the thing is, I definitely had a professor in college that I definitely felt this way about, mm-hmm. where I felt that her takes on things were really questionable, if, if that's putting it nicely, where I respected what she was doing because she did do things like, hey, we're going to read Fun Home before it was a musical. Like, mm-hmm. we're just going to read the graphic novel of Fun Home. But then, like, listening to the way that she would talk about how, you know, I don't like the, you know, I wish that this was focused more on Allison's life, but, you know, this, you know, is a lot about the father and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, that's an important aspect of her life. Like, this is an author talking about her relationship with her father. Yeah. That's the whole fucking point. That's the plot of the book. Yeah, this is not like there's... This isn't an autobiographical thing. This is more than that. Yeah, like it's not only is it autobiographical of her life, but it's also about like the things she learned about her father. And like talking about her father does not discount like the like femininity of this book. Mm -hmm. And it just like fucking used to drive me crazy. So I, I hate that I know that those teachers exist, but I also understand that these are, these are also women of this age who grew up in a world where that was the type of feminism that they, that they had been led to of like, if you want to be a feminist, you have to dismantle every aspect of the patriarchy. And that includes glamor or high femme, because those are all products of the patriarchy, which I I do like to believe that we're sort of swinging in a better direction in Mm -hmm. regard to that, at least now where we recognize that like femme erasure is real and yeah. like anti-femme bias is also real mm-hmm. in a lot of progressive circle circuits. And um, I, I mean, I think that that can transition into, you know, Joan Cusack's nemesis or, you know, the flip of her coin, which the, the prom queen <laughs> yeah, so to we... her loser person who has to count the ballots, I guess. <laughs> um, but we can talk about um, Kim Cattrall's character of Tina. So what do you make of her? Uh, so Tina is very interesting because what I really, really love that this movie does is that, uh, with the exception of the, uh, the romantic boy lead, who is the only male in this entire movie. Fucking Teddy. No, there's like one other side character, like the guy who plays hockey. Woo. But he's barely a character. Yes. So the only like semi-significant guy in this movie. 
aside from him, because he's pretty much, he's consistent, uh, everybody in this movie has very defined growth over mm-hmm. the course of the film. Yeah, there's a lot of good arcs here, and I think that this is this is one of the benefits of having a book source material to work from mm-hmm. because books tend to have a lot of those arcs because you have a lot more room to do them. Yeah, I mean, they crammed this movie essentially over the course of a year, mm-hmm. which, I mean, Juno did that as well, but these are more dynamic character arcs, I guess. I- agreed. So... With Kim Cattrall's character of Tina Harwood, who is, I guess, the owner of the ice skating rink in town, mm-hmm. she uh, she's she's very scary at the start of the film, and then she gets less scary, mm-hmm. and then gets scary again. Mm-hmm. When we first meet her, she flips out on Casey because she's filming rehearsals mm-hmm. and thinks she's like a spy from the CIA, which I was like, what? I explained that it's like an ice skating like association. <laughs> yes, but I, they did not make that clear. So then right. she just sounds like a nut. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Like honestly, it reminds me. <laughs> sounds so stupid. I don't care. If any of you play Animal Crossing, every once in a while there are the villagers that are like, "Are you a spy on my island?" And it's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Oh God, that's what's happening. But yeah, it feels <laughs> like that. And then Casey ends up enlisting in uh, Tina's like, I guess peewee coaching session or whatever yeah she's in like her little like tiny tots class and it's very cute because i definitely she's like eight years nine years older (laughs) than everyone else and the thing is i've taught those classes for baton where everybody it's their first class so usually it's kids that are really young and then Mm -hmm. there's always like one random kid who's like either in junior high or maybe in high school because they want to do it later in life and it's like i'm sorry but yeah you're twirling with these babies what's weird about that is that totally would have been me Mm-hmm. because I, when I was little, I was fascinated by stuff like ballet, not because like I knew anything about ballet. Mm-hmm. I know nothing about it. I still don't know shit about ballet, but all I knew was like, ah, it's feminine and it's graceful and I want that. Mm-hmm. So I totally would have been that person who's like, I didn't get this when I was eight, but now I'm like kind of an adult, so I'm going to do it at 16. So I would have totally been the person who's like, let's figure skate, but I can't because... My one foot's way flatter than the other, so I need, like, special orthotics. Otherwise, my (laughs) my ankle goes weird. (laughs) So, no, that totally would have been me in that role as somebody who's now following my passion in high school. Mm -hmm. But she ends up enrolling in this thing and doing very, very well at their recital, which is where the rendition of It's Oh So Quiet comes out. It's Mm -hmm. all, it's this cute little, like, play-type performance. Mm -hmm. And Tina's like, oh, oh, Casey actually has some talent. Well, you know, you, you, you're wearing one of my old outfits. Maybe I'll take you under my wing, but it's a lot of money. So, you know, Casey has to then hustle at the snack shack or whatever to try and make yeah. that money and do all this other stuff. And Tina softens on her until she finds out that, like, oh, God, she has more raw talent than my kid does. Mm-hmm. Now I must sabotage you mm-hmm. and make it look like I'm being nice by buying new skates in the middle of a competition for you because your garage sale skates are not cutting it anymore. Mm-hmm. Are you crazy? You can't compete on new skates. They take like a minimum of 10 days to break in. Everybody knows that. But Tina didn't tell me. You mean Tina, whose robot daughter almost didn't make sectionals because of you? Typical Tina Harwood. It's just like Sarajevo. You don't know anything, do you? They kicked her out. 
You might want to reconsider that no-coach thing. So BJ, why should you never buy new skates right before a competition? Because you got to break that shit in. They're too stiff. Like, mm-hmm. it throws your balance off. You don't have as much control. There's there's a lot going on there. And, you know, these are things that I only know because, you know, baton shoes are kind of the same way, where I, I would remember getting new shoes before competitions, and we would go outside to the, like, that sandpapery path that's outside of, like, most high school gyms. Mm-hmm like just sliding your feet back and forth as much as possible to try to like roughen them up. Or mm-hmm. um, another common one is you would take thumbtacks and just like scratch the shit out of the bottom. Um, so that way you could break them in because otherwise everything's kind of off. Mm-hmm. And with, with ice skates, like they are just so rigid on your ankle that like, yeah, it's like thick leather. Oh God. Yeah. Because if you land funny, like you're more likely to break your fucking shin than your ankle because it's going to lock that ankle in place. Mm-hmm. So you, your body's going to give somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, bad, bad news bear. So she sabotages the shit out of her. Yeah. And then Casey goes ahead and thinks that the whole Harwood family is against her and mm-hmm. turns against Teddy and... Jen. Yeah. Who I can't wait to get to her because... She's 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 got some interesting things, so I mm-hmm. guess we'll get to her next. But mm-hmm. she assumes they're all just trying to sabotage her, and then she has to have this, like, prove to Tina moment where, like, I'm driven, and I'm going to make this happen with or without you, but I'd prefer you to be there because you're a coach <laughs> and you're talented, and it mm-hmm. would make my job a lot easier. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then she has this kind of, like, come-to-Jesus moment after, like, a showdown in her kitchen while she's just cutting up vegetables and putting them in a bowl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, then she ends up being, like, a really good coach. Mm-hmm. Which, like, you were just saying, like, no, this is how coaches are, though. Yeah. Like, so, they are absolute ball busters. Yeah, so I grew up around a lot of Tina's. A lot of my coaches or a lot of the parents of my my teammates. And what I mean by that is... There, there's a couple things going on with Tina that I think are really important. So one, she she's a coach, and a lot of women coaches are viewed as being really tough mm-hmm. or very aggressive or very abrasive. And the reality is they're just acting the same way that, like, male coaches do. Mm-hmm. But we're so not used to seeing that sort of behavior on women. That oh, it, I find her so shrill. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what happens. When what I see, when I see women like that, I'm like, that bitch is in charge, mm-hmm. and I respect her. Yeah, because Tina's scary. Yeah, she's scary, but in like the best way possible. Like yeah. the the things that are wrong with Tina, like like the sabotaging and stuff, that has nothing to do with whether or not she's a good coach or whether or not she's like, you know, a woman who gets shit done. Mm-hmm. The sabotaging thing that comes from the issues that Tina has with herself because Tina, you know, when she was a competitive skater, she did something shitty. She intentionally crashed into a girl during practice. And they banned her for it. And mm-hmm. by the time they, they reinstated her, she was already, like, way past her her competitive prime. So now she lives with that. Mm-hmm. And it has unfortunately manifested in some really unhealthy ways because she's clearly not dealt with that. She's not really dealt with that guilt or that disappointment that it led for her own life. So now she's pressuring her daughter, who obviously loves ice skating, but you can tell She's doing this because it's what she's always done yeah, and because it's what's expected of her, not because she's really passionate about it. And I knew so many girls growing up that their moms did baton or, you know, they did it when they were kids and now they've been in it for so long that they feel like they have to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. 
And they didn't have that fire. They didn't have that like love for it. And you would just see their parents on the sidelines just like screaming at them. Mm -hmm. And like that's the aspect of Tina that I see that I'm like, ugh, I don't like that because I I know that person. And it's that's very real. And then, you know, she sabotages Casey because she wants to see her daughter succeed because she's like she's living vicariously through her daughter. Like that's what's happening here. Both the mothers do in this movie. Yes. They both of the mothers in this movie are using their children as vehicles for their own hopes and dreams and not treating them as individual people. Oh, there was a moment where uh, after Casey goes ahead and like intentionally walks out on her Harvard interview Mm -hmm. where Joan is like, but this is their dream. This is what we've worked for forever. And I'm just like, Oh God, please say it. Please say it. And she just goes, no mom, this was your dream. And I'm like, yes. "Yes!" (laughs) (laughs) But that's really what's happening here. And I, I think that, you know, Tina is a, I think she's a great coach. I think she's, she's somebody who knows what she wants and she goes for it. And I think that's really respectful. Bish, you need therapy. You mm-hmm. need to deal with what happened years ago because it's clearly not good for you. Mm-hmm. So that's very much how I feel about Tina. Like she, it's weird because I also feel like very at home with Tina because I'm very, I know how to, I know how to deal with that lady. Like uh-huh. I've, I've been around you long enough. Like uh-huh. I was raised by women like you. I get it. It's fine. Um, you were raised by strong women. I was raised by strong women. Cause the thing too is my I mom, wasn't. my mom was, <laughs> is such not a Tina and most like baton moms are just like her. Was your mom like super like, yeah, I don't really want to do this. Like, I don't care or whatever. The, the thing that my mom did, which I to this day think is the best thing that she could have done. Like my mom did this. And then like, there were like two or three other moms that were very much like this, where they were like, this is what you're passionate about. This is what you love to do. I will make sure that you get to and from practice. I will come to all of your competitions and support you. But if you think that I'm going to sit at every practice to make sure you do what you're supposed to do, you're no, like I'm not doing it. (laughs) Do it yourself. You're, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you're an adult kind of thing, but it's like, you're old enough now and you've been doing this long enough that Mm -hmm. I should not have to be there harping at you. And because of that, you know, she had time to like be with my dad and like, help with my sister and do other things because the unfortunate reality, and like this is something we do see with how Tina clearly favors Jen over Teddy Mm -hmm. to the point where we don't even know that he's her son until like halfway through the movie. it's longer than that. Yeah, because they just just never acknowledge that because he might as well not even fucking be there. It's just Teddy who drives the Zamboni. Yeah, like there's, there's nothing that shows like this is a familial bond because she doesn't show that to him. And that happened with me. There were so many of these baton moms who had other children that they just fucking neglected Mm -hmm. because they were all so concerned with like what their kids were doing in baton because like we were the, we would go to worlds, we would go to nationals. We did like big impressive shits Mm -hmm. because the thing that I, I have to explain to people, baton twirling is Competitive baton twirling, I should say. Not like the stuff you see in parades or whatever, but like competitive baton twirling is at like an Olympic level. Mm-hmm. But the Olympics will not add any more sports that require judges. So like gymnastics, synchronized diving, ice skating, things that are up to like that are subjective and up to judges. Mm-hmm. They won't add any more of those sports. But like we have a world tournament every four years like everyone else. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a thing. But these parents would just like neglect their other children 
or they would neglect their family, like their their relationships with their spouses, because there were definitely baton dads too. That was that's also real. There's one in this movie. There's he works one in this three one. Jobs apparently. Yes, and we had those parents as well. And then what happens is we all get older, and we go to college, and we twirl for our universities, and then we all retire, and you know become coaches ourselves, or you know just give it up completely. And now these parents are back to being with each other for the first time in like 20 years Mm -hmm. and they get divorced or they hate each other or they have nothing to talk about. And it's really fucking sad because I've seen it happen to so many of my friends where once they were done, so were their parents' marriages. So were their families, basically. I think that's just a lot of parents, probably, once, like, the kids are out of the house. They, oh, totally. It's, it's, like, sink or swim, and it's like, oh, God, do we like each other? What do we do now? I, yeah. Ugh. And I th- I understand the the whole, like, oh, you know, you need to be there for your kids, support their dreams, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but you also, you cannot lose sight of who you are as people. Yeah. And, you know, in both of these situations... Uh, there are no fathers in this movie. Other Mm-mm. like for our main, I should say. Like there's the dad of uh, it's. I think her name's Tiffany. Tiffany's dad is present, but Joan Cusack's husband nowhere to be found. Tina's husband nowhere to be found, and I can't help but think that in both of these relationships, these are women who have invested every ounce of energy and personality into their children, and that's probably why their marriages did not work. Yeah, I think also that they have very uh, strong personalities that a lot of uh, a lot of weak men can't handle. A lot of dudes weren't gonna put up <laughs> with. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think there's part of it. Obviously, there's always there's never one reason for why something like that happens. No, there's of always a multitude, but I think it's safe to assume that that's kind of the messaging we're supposed to be getting from this. Probably, like there's definitely like strong parallels between Joan and Tina. Oh, for sure. You know. For sure. All and, roads leave to Rome. And and thinking about Tina, um, we also, we need to talk about Jen, played by Hayden Panettiere, just in the golden, golden aughts of her, of her career, just peak tan blonde, just. Her hair is fried. It is. That, her hair is so thirsty <laughs> in this movie. Like, if she walked by a balloon, it would stand straight in the air. Yeah, it's not as bad when it's, like, curled, but when it's straight, it looks so bad. Oh, it's just, it's... It's dead. It has been it's nu- break. nuclear bleach. It's like just straw. Ooh. It's so bad. But with Jen, there's actually some really interesting parallels that I sort of started connecting with this film, mm-hmm. where it runs very similarly to how Bring It On does. Yes, which is funny because she's in Bring It On All or Nothing. Yes. A very racist film. But anyway. Uh, it's, it is it is quite a lot. It's a movie. Whew. So with her as an actress, my introduction to her was Scream 4. Oh, so you got Kirby. And I love you Kirby. You got her best role. Here's the thing. I love Kirby. I think she might be my favorite character in the Scream series outside of David Arquette because I just love him. But seeing that character, you know... Like, horror fan, like, kind of go-getter, tomboy-ish, but super femme about it, short hair. And then going back to, like, her earlier roles, which I'm now starting to see her in a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. Like, this movie is so strange. She's also in the soundtrack in this movie. Yeah. Like, like one of Casey's first scenes where she's learning to ice skate is to a Hayden Pinnitier song. Yeah. It's awesome. So... 
there's uh, there, there's some weird things where it's like, oh, Teddy is like the one brother in Bring It On. This is now like this competitive kind of, uh, I, I guess, sportsman-like thing of this film where it's like, oh, we're not, com- we're competing against each other, but really we're just competing to be the best. Mm-hmm. And I like, I like that theming of a sports movie, which I feel like is more common with, um, I, I guess I'm going to call them feminine sports. Mm-hmm. Like, Stick It is also very, very similar in that sense. Yes. So, it's not like this big, we have to go play hockey against the evil Icelandic team kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's not so, like, pe- cut and dry, villain hero kind of shit. So, with her, like, she's she's kind of the popular girl in school. She's, like, an uber bitch who's like, hey, um, here's an invite to my brother's party. If you could give it to the guy in your science class, then that'd be great. But let us also acknowledge that mm-hmm. our introduction to Jen, because that's the introduction, is her being like, mm, here's this invitation for someone that's not you. Yes. Which comes off as super bitchy. But the way that this movie frames Casey seeing Jen is the same way that they frame, like, fucking when... It's slow-mo. It, well, when it's in slow-mo... There's, like, hazy glow. She is just, like, smiling and, like, walking towards, and it's very much like, oh, my God, they're coming my way. They're coming my way. Like, the only thing I can think of is this is, like, the teen girl movie of, like, when Wayne sees Cassandra for the first time Dream in Wayne's world. Yeah, That's exactly what I thought like, of. that's what's happening here. Which, and I love that scene because she's so making gay. really aggressive faces in oh, the yeah. slow-mo. She's amazing. Super great. She's fucking great. Oh, Tia Carrera. But... Yeah, no, that's totally the same thing. And there's these little moments where it's like, is, is Jen a little gay? Here's the thing. Like, so Jen has this boyfriend that we see, like, two times. But, like, he's because not she's even... not allowed to go see yeah, him because she's, she's got to be She's got to be training, yeah. yeah. So I... Which, to me, feels like a very convenient, like... I don't know. It's like the, oh, we can't kiss because we're saving ourselves for Jesus. Which, obviously, like... She complains the entire movie, like, I just want to be a normal teenager and, like, go on a date with this boy and I want to spend time with my boyfriend that we never see and we never hear about how great he is. Like, she never talks about why she's interested in this boy, but she will do some really gay shit like, hey, I really appreciate you and, hey, I want to talk to you or, hey, let me help you or, oh, you can help me with this? That's great. Oh, my gosh. Let's be friends. Let's do this. Like, Jen is so gay in this movie. Like, she is, like, the hot femme girl who's gay and doesn't know what any of these feelings mean or how to express them. So she's just like, well, I'm supposed to be with this boy. Like, that's what normal teens do, right? Is they go on dates with boys, and I don't know what it's like to be normal. And the whole time I'm like, Jen, I see you. It's okay. You can be gay. It's fine. Yeah, so the, the one moment that really, really got me is after Jen, like, basically goes, like, no, mom, this is your passion, not mine. I'm retiring, and mm-hmm. she gives up ice skating. So after that happens, there's a moment at the competition at the end of the film where Jen is hanging out in the fa- stands with Casey's friend. Mm-hmm. Oh. Who's, who's a big math geek. She's another big dork, and it's great, but she doesn't really have a, a, a ton of lines. She's not as fleshed out as, a, like, say, a Princess Diary-style friend. Yeah, she's not Heather Matarazzo. Exactly. So To be fair, no one is. <laughs> she is on another level that is just her own. They bring her back Scream 5, but they can't bring back Kirby. Maybe we'll get a cameo. We don't know. We don't know. I want her. 
<laughs> anyway, so they're chilling in the stands, and it's like, oh, I'm really bad at math. Like, maybe you could tutor me. And it's like, oh, really? Like, I'd, I, that, that'd be great. I would love to tutor you. It's the, and there's this thing where it's like, it's clearly like, let's hang out, and you could teach me how to do math. And then it's like, do you know any cute boys? And that's just tacked at the end. Yeah, it's like, well, because what's also funny is when we first get – you know, they're talking about tutoring at the beginning and Casey's friend says something like, you know, I'm just waiting for some like hunky guy to need help with math and then I'll be there. Mm -hmm. So like, we already know that she's using tutoring as a means to like, hopefully find like a, a partner or whatever. So then when it's Jen, who's asking for help and she's like, I would love to tutor you. My brain is like, I ship it. I ship it so hard. And then, yes, you're right. It's like, but what about boys? Because we're straight. Ha <laughs> ha, straight. And I'm like, no, this is gay. This is some lesbian shit that is hidden in this teen girl movie because you're not allowed to be gay yet because it's 2005 and, and you're teenagers Disney. and it's Disney. Yeah, no, yes. I, I'm convinced that she's at least some kind of gay. She's somewhere yes. in the queer spectrum. Yeah, Jen is somewhere in the she's queer spectrum. She's not a Kinsey one. No, she is not. And you know what? That is, I hate... Like, I fucking hate when people do that, when they're just like, I think actually Harry Potter was gay. Like, no, shut the fuck up. He wasn't. I hate when people do that. Nah. Like, Jenna's gay. <laughs> like, I will die on this cross. I'm not going to write, like, slash fic about it or anything like that. I'm just saying, all of the signs are there. This is not a stretch. This is not me making shit up because it makes me feel fulfilled. This is me analyzing the text, and the text <laughs> says she's a fucking dyke, and I love it. Don't get offended. Just one little question. What? Haven't you ever heard of eyeliner? Not yet. Casey, stop. Not yet. Look, I really appreciate the effort, but I don't think there's a lot to work with. I'm... You're hot. But stay away from Brian. He's mine. And with, honestly, I just really, really love Jen, and maybe it's just because I think Hayden's great. She, oh, yeah. She's Hayden's wonderful amazing. in everything that I've seen her in. She's amazing. But I, even, even gay subtext aside, this is a very, very good story about women supporting women. Yes. Because her and Casey become really, really good friends, even after, like, mom's betrayal. It's like, oh, no, we're still going to, like, I'm still got your back we're going to be super friendly still mm -hmm. and I'm going to help you out and it's going to be tight. And I love that. What I love too is, so we haven't really dove into it. So the reason that Casey becomes so good at ice skating so quickly is because oh yeah, we she, didn't even mention this. We really, really didn't. We, we touched on it a little bit with her, but she, character. yeah, she perfects pretty much the science of ice skating. Like she figures out the perfect aerodynamics. She has like a computer program that can tell you exactly like where your body position needs to be in order for it to be perfect. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very impressive. And the thing is, if that technology was real, she would be a millionaire, but she starts to make money. She's, she sells her science to the other skaters to help them improve yeah. and it works. Um, and that's how she kind of, gets to know them a little bit more when they realize like, Oh, you're not just like a science geek. Like you, you're a person and you have, you know, wants and needs and a personality. And Jen definitely kind of takes Casey under her wing. I mean, she takes her to a party because again, again, with Jen being gay, she mm -hmm. says something to her mom about how she wants to go out and she wants to like have a normal night, like a normal Saturday night. Like she just wants to go out. And then she goes, well, who are you going with? And you think she's going to say her boyfriend, but then it cuts to her going to the snack shop and seeing Casey and going, do you want to go out with me tonight? 
fucking gay. So gay. I'm I mean, it's it's a front that she so she can go to a party and hang out with her boyfriend. Yes, but she helps her. Like she takes her there and you know, she goes to this party and Casey's just like, "I'm not dressed for a party." Oh no. And then Jen is just like, here, let me take this fucking banana clip out of your hair, shake it out, look how beautiful you are. Work the hair. Work the hair. Look, now no one's going to care what you're wearing. Yeah. And it's like, that's so nice of you. Like, right? just inspiring confidence. And she, throughout the whole movie, she's, you know. She's like, have you ever heard of eyeliner? Yeah. Have you ever heard of eyeliner? Let me give you, like, let me touch up your face. And that's the thing. She doesn't say, like, hey, you look like shit. Let me fix you. She's like, hey, let me enhance this because you clearly have never done this before. Let me help. Yeah, because Joan Cusack is staunchly anti-makeup. Yeah. She's, or at least very, very minimal makeup. She's pretty against makeup. And, like, when she dresses her for a, uh, like, a scholarship dinner, she puts her in, like, these very matronly things with, like, a skirt. And she says, like, it's, like, a hint of femininity. It's very conservative looking. Yes. It's, it's very, um, it's very Mormon-y. It's, she looks like a school marm is the only thing I can yeah. think of. Um, spinster. Very much that. <laughs> like, yeah, if you, like, think about, like, spinster for teens, like, that's the line that she's wearing right now. Who would sell spinster for teen clothes? Kmart. It's the Gap. No, the Gap is high fashion. Is the Gap high fashion? It's like conser- we didn't go to the Gap. The Gap I got is dragged like the Old Navy. The Gap is like conservative high. Fa- it's like business fashion. It's okay. like business casual. Where do you even go to buy this stuff then? Kohl's? No. No. I don't know about Kohl's. You buy it in like fashion the- barn. <laughs> That's where we're going. Oh, God. We're going to dress barn. See, and you can tell by me just like softballing names into the air <laughs> and just watching them hit the ground in front of me that I have not shopped in any of these stores. Yeah, it's Dress Barn. That's where we're going. Okay. Yeah, we'd, we'd find those God, at Dress Barn. I, I'm so sick of seeing Dress Barn at every thrift store I go to. Yeah, it's, there's a reason. Yeah, <laughs> Dress Barn sucks. Um, I miss thrift stores. But there's also, you know, when even when they're in competition, you know, they show that the, a quick way to get into your opponent's head is to, like, fuck with them. And Jen has every reason to want to fuck with Casey because Casey's clearly better than her. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. Instead, she does the the nice thing of, like, telling her a little white lie to be like, oh, yeah, it's just short program. Like, it doesn't matter. You're fine. Like, don't worry about it. It's just your short program. When in reality, like, the truth is, like, if you fuck up your shorts program, like, you can't win. Mm-hmm. But she says that because she knows that it'll calm her down. Like, she's doing very good friend things. Yeah, she's defending her from... Uh... The figure skater that would have been you, who I oh think is God. super rad. Yeah. <laughs> she figure skates in like a denim outfit with fishnets to like Britney Spears' is Toxic. Yeah, she kind of rules. She's pretty fucking rad. <laughs> she's the goddamn like punk rock figure skater. Yeah, she's the Eliza Dushku figure skater. Yeah. And uh, her name is Zoe Block. Yeah, she's sort of villainish, but even then, not really. And uh, so here's the cool thing, too. Another thing that I really respect that this movie does is there are actual figure skaters in Mm -hmm. this movie. Like the flying shrimp. Yes, like the flying shrimp. So Zoe Block is one of them. Her name is Juliana Canarazzo. um, And she was uh, an ISU Junior Grand Prix, like, winner. So she's, you know, incredible. And then Kirsten Olsen is uh, is our flying shrimp. Um, and she was a a figure skater as well. So, you know, we've got some actual figure skaters doing, you know, actual figure skater things, Mm -hmm. which I think is really, really cool. Um, I like that they, I like that they did that because a lot of times it's just nothing but body doubles. And in this one, they, you know, they had that. And then there's also like a nice little cameo by Michelle Kwan as like an ESPN, uh, commentator. So it's like, that's really nice to see. Yeah. And this movie 
Now, clearly there are, like, body doubles for the actors in this, but, like, they still taught them, like, basic ice skating moves. Hayden Panettiere is doing a lot of her own stunts. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. And Michelle Trachtenberg is doing some some of her own stunts, too. Obviously, like, the big moves are other people because we don't want them to bust their shit. Yeah. They're not just, like, superimposing Margot Robbie's face onto someone else's thing because the technology's yes. not there yet, like yes. Itanya. But, no, like, it's it's clearly there, but it's pretty seamless. And mm-hmm. the people they got to body double them had close enough faces that when mm-hmm. they're in motion, you don't you can't really tell. Yeah, because when you're ice skating, they're spinning so goddamn fast. Like, you can't really tell anyone. Yeah, so, like, there's good editing and good casting for, like, body doubles and stuff. And I, I think it's very, very well done. I think so too. I I really in I really enjoy this movie a lot and it's a lot of it is because of, I think there's really great character development but then there's also we're at this point now where we're starting to do at least a little bit of re analyzing these movies. I mean when when Bring It On turned 20 there was so many mm-hmm. There were so many articles reanalyzing the film and, you know, really diving deep on it. And Bring It On is a movie that obviously we talked about before is really important and doing a lot of really great things. Uh-huh. But there's also a lot of elements in it that did not age well. Ice Princess has pretty much aged exactly the way that it has. I mean, they're it's pretty rock solid with the exception of, I think, Casey's camera, which anytime you're using tech, like you're going to just date your shit immediately yeah. anyway. But if somebody would have told me like this was a new movie, like change that camera for an iPhone, nothing else has to change. No, not really. Like it's it's pretty solid. And what's a real big bummer is that this movie does not have any kind of major following as far as I can tell. And it, really it did doesn't. not it did not succeed at the box office. It didn't make its budget back. It's got like very middle of the road reviews. And if we're using the uh, to grandmother's house, we go formula. Mm -hmm. This movie is allegedly 7% worse than to grandmother's (laughs) house. We go, which I think is a goddamn shame. Mm -hmm. This is a very, very well put together film like this. There's a lot of competency from a technical standpoint. I'd say the only issue I have is that suddenly um, this movie turns into like a made for TV lifetime movie with how it's filmed like during the last third. And I don't know why. Yeah, we couldn't figure it out. But for whatever reason, after there is the the conflict, after the betrayal, after the betrayal, the filming style looks so much like she's too young, which is my favorite lifetime movie of all time. But there's a lot more handheld camera yeah, work going on. It's a little shaky. It's tight shots on people's faces. There's some weird fade outs that feel like they're almost waiting for a commercial, which uh-huh. they weren't. It's just, it's very weird. Like all of a sudden, just stylistically, it changes so drastically. Yeah, out of and nowhere. Out of nowhere. And we're just sitting there like, what the fuck just happened? I'm like, BJ, why is this suddenly a made for TV movie? And I will say that the director who made this movie, uh, this is his only movie. He is exclusively a director of television outside of this. So maybe that's part of it. But on a purely technical level, that's the only thing I have an issue with. Is it's like, why did this suddenly happen? Like, the rest of the movie isn't like this. But I guess it's just drama. Mm-hmm. So we have to make it look more dramatic. So one of the things that I've been trying to figure out is, like, why, why is this movie not as big as I think that it should have been? personally. Uh-huh. So there's a couple of things that I think. So first off, um, compared to something like Bring It On or uh, any films of that ilk, Ice Princess is about figure skating. Uh-huh. And figure skating is one of those sports 
that I think we all loved. It's, it's similarly to gymnastics, where we all love to watch it when the Olympics come around. But ice skating is ultimately a very elitist sport. They even touch on that in this movie, which I think is really smart. All that happened tonight was the judges saw the same thing that I've been seeing all summer. You got some raw talent, but that's not enough for a shot at the regionals. You need a coach, ballet, choreographer, private ice time. Nikki's parents took out a second mortgage just to put her through this. And Tiffany's dad works two jobs. Oh, where'd you get those skates? Garage sale. They're falling off your feet. You need custom boots, $600 minimum, and the blades need to be sharpened every six weeks. Okay, you get it? I'm sorry. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Ice skating is one of the most expensive sports to participate in, which is why it is a very white sport and why uh-huh. it is also like it's a wealthy sport. So I think a lot of people may have not been as interested in this because cheerleading is something that you can, yeah, you can be competitive. You can be hardcore competitive in it, or you can just be like a casual cheerleader for your high school and do things at football games. I think also because cheerleading is just a thing that people have more exposure to. Like, uh, well, it, and that's it's, why it's around yeah. you. Yeah. You know, Football is a big fucking deal in America, mm-hmm. and cheerleading is just, it's its a satellite to that. So even mm-hmm. then, it's not this completely other world. Exactly. I think, I think that's a huge part of it. Just the accessibility of the sport in general just isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because of that, there's just not a lot of interest in it because you might feel like, oh, maybe you can't relate to it or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Also, I think Americans just in general don't care as much about winter sports. No. Like skiing. I don't think Americans really care about skiing. Like, we care about snowboarding for a little bit when we were extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't give a shit about curling. Hockey is always going to be, like, the fifth most popular sport in the country. Which is bullshit because it's my favorite. Hockey's anyway, awesome. I fucking love hockey. I would hockey. rather watch hockey than football. Yeah. Or basketball great. or baseball. <laughs> but hockey gets the joke of, like, oh, it's Canadian, right? Yeah, well, I'm in Ohio. I am a pond away from <laughs> Canada, and I even had bag milk growing up. When I, yeah, bag milk is like such a wild thing to me. I'll so, never be able to process bag milk. Why, why, why is it so hard to process bag milk? How do you close it? You don't. Okay, so here's the thing. We did not have bag milk in like these giant bags. We had it at school and they were like these little pillows. They were like maybe this big. Oh, so it's like a little like Capri Sun. It was kind of like a Capri Sun. It was basically like a little water balloon of milk. We had those when I was in, like, elementary school. Okay, that's fine. I was thinking about, like, when people have, like, the bag milk where it looks like the the cereal that you get on, like, the bottom shelf, which that's how we get our cereal. But, yeah, like, because I've seen, like, visuals of that, and I'm always like, but what do you do when you, how do you close okay, it? Okay, you've never worked in, like, a kitchen. Have you ever been um, and seen, like, how egg whites come from, like, a like an industry level? It'll come in a bag, and they just have, like, a little spout that's just kind of slapped on there and then you just pop the cap on and off of that it's really disgusting i mean just it's the same thing it's just got a little knobby <laughs> bit i've but, worked in kitchens but it's always been like oh this is artisanal and organic no they they, they it, this is how it works like if you go to like a gfs or something like that you're getting like industry size portions oh, okay. of stuff this is how this works okay yeah but no, we had bag milk, which were these this little Capri Sun pillows, and if you you'd stab your straw into it, and if you stabbed it too hard, it would go through to the other side, and then you would flood one of the sections of your lunch tray. 
I feel like you're speaking from experience. Uh, it was a very fine art to be able to properly <laughs> stick your bag milk. And also, every single kid in school wanted to have a bag milk fight, which would be like a water balloon fight, but these things probably would not burst. They would probably just thud. They would just probably just slap you in the face. <laughs> yeah, and it sounded way cooler. That's really funny. So yeah, like, I'm close enough to Canada that, like, we had bag milk and I enjoy some poutine. So, like, oh, hockey's great. so good. I, I, I miss the Cleveland Lumberjacks. The Monsters are apparently much more successful and have actually yes. won championships. <laughs> the Lakeery Monsters are actually a very successful. Yes, but the Lumberjacks <laughs> had a really cool logo. Yes, yes. They had a beaver with a buzzsaw. If you want to Google the Cleveland Lumberjacks, that logo's tight. Yeah, you do have a you do have a sweater with that on it. It's a jersey, but thank you. Um, hockey jerseys are called sweaters. Are they? Yes. My bad. <laughs> All the same. I stand by my thing. <laughs> But yeah, like, okay, so like America just doesn't care about winter sports, and I'm sure that did not Yeah, help I don't this. think that helps. Um, but I think genuinely and 100%, I think the thing that hurts this movie the most is the title. Ice Princess? Because she's, one, she's not a princess. Like, at one point, they put, like, a little tiara hairpiece mm-hmm. when she's doing her, like, final run in. But there is such a negative connotation with princess. And obviously... Well, Ice, especially in like 2005. Yeah. Obviously Ice Princess was trying to piggyback off of like the princess diaries. Mm-hmm. But this isn't this isn't like about royalty. This isn't literal princesses? No, it's not a literal princess. And nothing about Casey is a princess. Like there's nothing princessy about her. She's not this like super prissy high femme thing that you think of when you think of princesses. Mm-hmm. And the... The cover art for it almost makes it look like it's going to be a princess switch situation. Yeah, because there's two. There's two pictures of Casey, one of which is her like being little book smart kind of, you know, look at me. I'm a cool girl who likes physics. And then the other side is her like super glammed up and wearing an ice skating costume. Mm -hmm. So it genuinely looks like, oh, this is like a princess switch type movie, which, you know, hadn't come out yet. But movies. Which are very successful on Netflix. They are. But movies of like that style, they already existed. So like people knew they were getting getting into. But it it looks like Michelle Trachtenberg is playing two characters, one who's like a like a, a school kid and the other one who is, for whatever reason, a princess who likes ice skating and they switch bodies or they switch places that's what the poster and all of the advertising makes you believe yeah and that's not what this movie is at all yeah also i think for teen movies i'm not sure how popular sports movies were in the mid 2000s i mean bring it on sort of set the bar in 2000 and then there was like stick it and i don't think stick it did that well though like no, it, it wasn't like a runaway smash. No, people liked Stick It, and I I still do, and we'll definitely cover it sometime because Stick yeah. It is fucking great. I remember liking Stick It. Um, but no, and that's the also, thing is like Stick It came out in two thousand and six, so this is like the next year. Yeah, Stick It and Bring It On have very like intense titles, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, like it's not like they're they're doing... a little they're a little confrontational. They dare you. Yeah, like like the gymnastics movie isn't something that's like like. Could you imagine if a movie like Stick It was like Flippy Queen? That sounds like a drag show. <laughs> it kind of does. <laughs> or like something something of that like like you know like balance beam balance beam queen like something like that like it just sounds kind of ridiculous it sounds hokey yeah here's the thing was the book that this is based on also called ice princess okay so fun fact and looking this up i have believed something incorrectly 
for the entire time I've known years. this movie existed. So because everything that I've ever known about this movie is always like, oh, it's, you know, by the story from Meg Cabot, the story from Meg Cabot, the story from Meg Cabot. So like, oh, so this must be a book. That's great. Uh-huh. And like that would also makes sense why it's like so well written with character development and blah, blah, blah. So as it turns out, um, I'm a fucking moron. Um, <laughs> this is not a book. Okay. <laughs> Um, it is a story, and Meg Cabot actually has a blog. Aren't all books stories? Yes, but not all <laughs> stories are books. <laughs> it's a square rectangle situation. <laughs> um, but Meg Cabot uh, had a blog from 2004, and it's called Movie Stuff and Selling Out. And I just want to read some of this because um, I wish I would have found this when I was 14 years old because it would have made shit a lot more sense. So this is from May of 2004. So there's some movie stuff going on besides Princess Diaries 2 and 1-800-Missing Second Season. I keep getting emails about something I wrote called Ice Princess. Ice Princess isn't a book. It's a movie. I actually have no idea if my name is going to appear in the final product, but I did write the original script. Disney is putting it out in 2005 starring Michelle Trachtenberg and Trevor Blumas. The reason I don't talk about this movie much is that movie writing, it's not for me. I just wrote this one for Disney because they approached me like two years ago and asked me if I'd be interested in writing a girl ice skater movie. And I was like, okay, like a ditz, because I heard writing screenplays is really easy and they pay a lot. Well, as it turns out, writing screenplays might be easy for some people, but it was really, really hard for me. Although it did pay a lot. (laughs) It just seems like such a weird way to tell a story, thinking of it visually instead of words. It's sort of like playing Barbies, only not as much fun. Still, I guess it was a good exercise in writing, but now I feel I've learned my lesson and I'm happy to return to the world of book writing and stay there. So I was like, okay, this uh-huh. makes more sense to me. But I think I think after the success of Princess Diaries, they probably just like pumped Meg Cabot's like name out there, which is why I've just like shazammed myself into thinking <laughs> that it was a book. All right. Um, but here's a, here's like an interesting thing. Ice Princess, for those of you who are interested, was originally conceived as a story about a girl hockey player named Casey who moves to a new town so her hockey star brother can train for the Olympics and starts figure skating on the sly after she gets a job at the local rink concession stand and meets a bunch of figure skaters in training for the Olympics. Their love interest is the hunky Zamboni driver who is also in a band. Okay. I like that so much less. Yeah, right? So much less. Like, you're less. describing that, and I don't care about that movie. I mean, you know what? Maybe it would have been done very well, but I feel like this is so much more of an interesting and well-aged story. Yeah. Like, okay, so, so was in the revised version, they brought in a professional screenwriter to do the revisions. I think they dropped the hockey part and made Casey a physics whiz. Go figure. I heard the Zamboni guy love interest is still in it, though, and I'm glad because I fought hard for the Zamboni guy. I was all, dude, how cool would it be if she gets to ride the Zamboni? She never gets to ride the she Zamboni. She never gets to ride the Zamboni. So I will say, uh, I do. one of my favorite moments of imagery in this film is uh, after Casey has her fight with Tina, she is practicing on her at-home pond, 
and like the ice is rough because it's natural and she can't get her shit together. And then like heroically with swelling music, Teddy comes rolling over the hill in his Zamboni <laughs> to save the day. And you cannot put a Zamboni on a frozen pond. It will break. Yeah. No, the whole time I was like, I'm so tense thinking about this. Just, we're like, how fucked up would it be if he was just like going on the Zamboni on this like lake ice rink and then all of a sudden he just crashed through it, just it and in. that's the end of the movie. Oh my God. It would have been so funny. Speaking of which, remember that flaming Zamboni video? from earlier in the year <laughs> yes god that shit god, was it's tight the longest it's the longest year <laughs> that, was, that was awesome it's the longest year um <laughs> so anyway she goes on in that blog article then like the whole thing is about the whole blog's like purpose is that it's about selling out because i guess a bunch of people accused her once finding out that ice princess is not a book that she's now a sellout or the fact that she has sold the rights to her books to become movies that makes her a sellout. And it's all about like artists have to fucking eat. Leave me alone. Yeah. Like, um, why which do you, I why, do agree with. Why do you think that the being an artist from rent is the right way to go? <sighs> They're like, I'm, I'm going to start keeping track of the things that are the universal truths of the, this ends at prom podcast, which is using to grandmother's house. We go as a rating barometer and, trying to figure out why so many people learned how to be artists from rent <laughs> or at least rent-esque things where they yes. really agree with the artistry of rent yeah because fuck rent <laughs> i can't wait one day i'm gonna make you watch it no it does, they're not <laughs> teens i guess mimi's a teen but she's like an she's like the fifth banana yeah that's true that's true i now have this weird feeling of clarity now that i realize that I've been misled my entire life into thinking that this was just some book I didn't read as a child uh-huh. and that it was like some super popular title that just isn't a thing. But I also think that it's interesting that Disney was like, we want a girl ice skater movie. Who can we call? Meg Cabot. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that to me does definitely does prove that the ice princess name is probably trying to that's, pop it off of that. That's for Disney sure. for sure. Yeah. And that, uh, unfortunately, I think hurt the film. Yeah. I do. I really do. Because the other thing, oh, and it like physically pains me to say this. Movies like Bring It On and Stick It, boys actually watched those. They're definitely way more popular with girls. Mm-hmm. Boys watch that. What teen boy in 2005 is going to go to a like go to the theater and say one ticket for Ice Princess? Yeah. Like I- you're it's also, not I think happen. just generally figure skating is seen as a much more prissy sport. Yes, agreed. And I think that kind of having the title of Ice Princess honestly fits the theming of this film of like the kind of feminism of Casey's mm-hmm. wants versus Joan Cusack's mm-hmm. wants. So like, it's not a problem. Like judging it based on that title is kind of counter you're siding with Joan Cusack on that one and you shouldn't granted mm-hmm. could they have probably had a better title that would have done in service the film a lot more yeah yeah I think there's just there's a lot of preconceived notions that come with that word I think it's a very loaded word and I also think that ice skating has never gotten the sort of hey no this is a sport mm-hmm. sort of revision the way that cheerleading has um you're saying blades of glory didn't do it any favors I fucking love Blades of Glory, and I know that makes me a bad person, <laughs> because one, like, it's Will Ferrell just being peak Will Ferrellisms, but there's a lot of really funny humor in that, even though that movie is just basically, like, gay panic on ice. 
But we all know I'm a bad person and I like bad representation. Yeah. But. <laughs> I have not actually watched that movie in a long time. There are some time. moments that just really fucking get me. In okay, that movie that's that fine. just make me laugh. I'm not going to judge you. Yeah. But no, it is. It's Gay Panic on Ice. That's what Blaze of Glory is. Ice Princess. Much more respectable film. Doing yes. ice skating, uh, uh, yes. figure skating. Yes, yes, and yes. Much, uh, much kinder service. <laughs> and, and kind of going off, I guess it can go hand in hand with this title and also kind of the Joan Cusack is. Joan Cusack-isms that happen in this movie is this movie really does take a big stance on defending femmes and trying to stand the message that you can't write somebody off because they embrace something that is very explicitly feminine. Mm -hmm. And that's also not to say that like ice skating is inherently feminine. There are plenty of like very masculine, very intense men that ice skate for sure. Well, it's like ballet. Like, they're mm-hmm. super athletes. Absolutely. Um, another movie that's not related to this but has sort of ballet grace to it is uh, The Game Plan starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm-hmm. Where he ends up going to ballet class with his new daughter and it mm-hmm. makes him a more graceful, like, running back or whatever on football. Well, and that's the thing. That's real. Like, yeah. football players sometimes will take, like, beginner's ballet classes to improve their balance. Yeah. Like, that's fucking real. Um, and I think that, you know, the princessy thing, yeah, it, it just kind of dives into this implicit bias that we have about what that means. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my dislike of the title is not that I don't think it fits, but more so that I think it's giving the wrong impression on what the movie is. And from a marketing standpoint, I think that it really hurt it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it does the film a disservice because I think this is one of the more impactful films from this era and it's one of the ones that most people didn't actually see yeah um i totally agree like we were talking about it earlier but i this movie's pretty bulletproof Mm -hmm. and i think it's just it aged very very well and even holds a lot more water as time passes the princess moniker weirdly makes more sense because Mm -hmm. her whole final routine she looks like she's about to bust out a, a sick performance of Let It Go. <laughs> she really does. <laughs> and so that's a thing. But that's purely coincidence. But as far as like what this And to mo- be fair, Elsa is a queen, not a princess. <laughs> well, she's amongst the Disney princesses in the lineup. Incorrect. She is a queen. But anyway. Yeah. Well, they don't add the evil queen to the princess lineup because Disney likes marketable pretty ladies. <laughs> yeah. And that's a whole problem here. And that... That honestly could be a thing that works against this film from Disney's standpoint as well. Mm-hmm. Because when you compare it to other films like, say, Bring It On, like, there are, you know, names on the rise there. And I don't know exactly how this movie stacks up. I mean, and this also, honestly, as I'm thinking about it, this probably also hurt because Michelle Trachtenberg at this point was, uh, for me, forever, she's Harriet the Spy. She mm-hmm. will always be Harriet the Spy in my eyes. But this is the year before Black Christmas. But this is, uh, hey, surprise, Buffy has a sister and everyone fucking hates her. When when did that take place? Around this time? It's around this time. Uh, yeah, yeah because that didn't they, do any favors. Yeah, so now she's an unlikable character on one of the most like beloved series. So everyone's like, yeah, fuck her. I'm not going to watch Dawn on Ice. No. <laughs> I, I like this movie a lot more than I like Buffy. I so. know you do. I so. know. 
So, so suck it, people who didn't go watch it based on that. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't... There's a lot of factors for probably why this movie didn't succeed the way it should have. Yeah, I agree with you. But ultimately, I, uh, I, w- I was surprised at how much I, I liked this upon revisiting. I mm-hmm. thought that this was going to be a lot more vapid than it was. Because there were definitely moments that... I mean, I watched this so many years ago. I don't fucking remember what happens. But, oh, yeah, because I would be like, oh, no, is this going to happen? You're like, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't fucking remember. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But in watching this, I was like, holy shit. Like, this movie is kind of amazing. And I'm a little bummed out that this is one that I don't think comes to the forefront um, as immediately when talking about teen girl movies as ones, you know, that have aged a lot worse. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of how I feel. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Well, Harmony, now is the time. And Ice Princess is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, or a maybe? And are you writing anything on the uh, on the note back? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I assumed that absolutely would be sufficient. Absolutely. But... Absolutely. No, this, uh, this movie was very, very interesting, especially, like, having our discussions about, like, competitive sports and you having a... It's sort of sort of giving me a, a like a crash course in what that would be like. Because mm-hmm. the only thing I have similar to that was like swim team. And I did that for 11 years and had like a similar thing where it was like, oh, I didn't realize I didn't have to do this. And then I never did again. I feel like like I'm sitting here kind of having my own little like introspective about this. And I know we talk a lot about the characters that are like those alt girls that I relate to. I mean, especially like the, the Zoe block character in here. Like, yeah, that's absolutely yeah. who it was. Like the Eliza Dushkus and bring it on the, the Annie's in uh, freaky Fridays. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting here thinking about Hayden Panettiere and I'm just like, that is like the high femme side of my personality mm-hmm. that I relate to so much of being super high femme and like not knowing what that means about my own queerness. Cause that's clearly what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also that entire aspect of her talking about like, I don't know what it's like to be a normal teenager because as much as we talk about our teen experiences on here, we've never really dived into the fact that I spent most of my summer vacations from age six until I graduated. And then even after that in the gym, like mm-hmm. twirling and having practices and every Saturday was like, you know, we had gym time from for 10 hours and you'd leave to go get food and come back. And, you know, from this hour to this hour is teams and this hour and this hour is individuals and this hour and this hour is duets. And I don't know what a lot of like very typical teen experiences, like going to the beach with your friends and doing all these things is like, mm-hmm. but I know what like Jen's life is like, like I, I know that life. So it's this very weird thing where I'm like, fuck, this movie's so much more relatable than I thought it was. <laughs> Specifically for you. Yeah. Yeah. Very like... strange. So I'm glad that this is a movie that resonates with you because I know how just atypical that experience that I had was. Mm-hmm. So if it's able to resonate with you who, you know, did not live that life, that's really saying something strong about this movie. But that's what I think works so well about this film is that everything makes sense. Mm-hmm. Even as someone who has, like, no real exposure to this world at all. But the writing and the character motivations, they're, they're, they're solid. Yeah. 
so it makes it really, really easy to understand. No one's making, like, weird decisions. No one's being irrational. And if they are, like, I guess for tiny little bits and moments, like, they're teens, so they're sloppy. But I just really like co- how cohesively this narrative is spun, and it makes it so much easier to understand and relate to. I like that. That makes me happy. This is legitimately one of the most solid films we've talked about. Because I have nothing to criticize it for. No notes? No notes. I like, love that. It's, it is so, it is solid. Like, it's, it's not the best story I've ever seen, but it has, there's nothing wrong with it. That's great. That makes yeah. me very happy. I'm glad to hear that. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm honestly a little stunned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, when you're like, hey, we're going to watch a Disney movie about ice skating starring Michelle Trachtenberg, you're probably like, Okay. Well, I mean, I originally suggested it just because I was like, oh, it's got this song got that I like from a trailer, like so <laughs> what's this movie? Let's do it. Well, I'm glad that it could, uh, I'm, I'm glad that it could blow your expectations. Like, way out of the water. I love it. Like, legitimately way out of the water. I love it. That, that, that really just brings me joy, because ultimately, like, that's, that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. We're here to analyze all of these films that everyone else has been like, yeah, fuck that, it's not good, and we're like, no, but it is. Yeah, this is not, like, as instantly quotable as other things. It's not as... Well, it's not trying to be. Yeah, it's not instantly quotable, it's not, like, a blatant comedy, but it's just a really, really solid film, Mm -hmm. and dare I would say it's a hidden gem in a tiara of an ice princess. (laughs) Well, on that note, I think that is the perfect way to close the chapter on ice princess it doesn't have chapters it's not a book (laughs) fuck you you're right it's not (laughs) god (laughs) (laughs) as always you can join our patreon patreon.com backslash this ends at prom we do mini sews or harmony makes me watch teen boy movies for our sadie hawkins dance we do sleepover commentary tracks where it's just shooting the shit watching a movie for two hours lots of other fun stuff including harmony's monthly playlist which if you are a patron you have that already and it's a banger so make sure to check that out you're welcome you're such a good job you can also find the show on twitter and instagram at this ends at prom you can find me on twitter and instagram at bj colangelo harmony where are you at on the internet i am there (laughs) You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. And as always, big, big thank you to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use title for our theme song. They fucking rule. Because we're actually recording these a, a little bit in advance because we're moving and I'm mm-hmm. trying to back catalog them. <laughs> Their new music's not out just yet at the time of recording, but hopefully by the time that it's out, it will be. And I'll be sitting there going, man, this song fucks so <laughs> well, hopefully you're sharing that ex- same experience <laughs> <laughs> all right friends we will see you next time and don't forget save the last dance for us thank you bye, bye.
Hi. Um, do you want to hang out tonight? With you? Yeah, you know, get something to eat, maybe do a movie or something. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.